Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast where we talk about everything healthcare and technology. I'm your host, James Somaru, and this is your weekly Sunday session. Hey everybody and a very happy Sunday to you if you are listening. So this week, Sunday session is all about the fact that you do not need to found a billion dollar company to make impact with health tech. And the example I've got on the podcast for you today is Dr. Gerald Diaz, and he is the co-founder and chief medical officer at GrepMed. So a bit of background, Gerald got his MD from SLU, completed his residency at UC Davis Medical Center and is board certified in internal medicine. And he currently works as an academic hospitalist. And GrepMed, his company, is a community-sourced, searchable medical image repository for referencing clinically relevant medical images. And the point is, this has been completely bootstrapped by Gerald with the goal of making impact for fellow clinicians and ultimately to benefit patients. And so what GrepMed does is that it has these kind of high-yield diagnostic and management algorithms and guidelines and checklists and evidence summaries and clinical images like x-rays, you know, dermatology stuff, ECGs, microscopy, but anyway, it's all easily accessible and searchable in any web browser. And so all these clinically relevant images are upvoted by the community through likes and bookmarks. And the point is, is the thing just benefits the entire clinical community. And if you're a clinician, I'm sure you can understand how getting all of that stuff together is uh, obviously of extreme benefit if you want that information quickly, be that on a ward or whether you're in a, a primary care uh, place or whatever it is. So anyway, you can hear all about it from Gerald on this episode. And just to reiterate the point, you know, for everybody out there that listens to all these conversations and thinks that health tech is all about founding these billion dollar companies and raising hundreds of millions in venture capital money, it's not. As you all know, it started for me just by fixing printers and getting at things that way. And I think, you know, this is certainly on that spectrum of uh, far before it gets to venture capital money and needing to get those returns and all the rest of it. You can make impact by just solving a problem, which is what Gerald tried to do with GrepMed and it's led him to where he is today with his company. And so over to the conversation, I hope you guys enjoy it and have a wonderful week uh, next week. Have a good one, guys. See you in a bit. So Gerald, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing, mate? I was going to say this morning, but uh, it is your morning and my afternoon, right? I've got that right. Yeah, well, good afternoon in England. Uh, good morning from uh, everyone in California. So uh, yeah, whereabouts in California are you speaking to us from today, Gerald? Uh, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Lovely, lovely. That's not a cliche for this podcast at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So, Gerald, the way obviously we get into these episodes is that I get you to tell the audience a bit about your backgrounds. We've obviously had a quick chat and uh, I've learned some awesome stuff about what you're up to. But yeah, why don't you, uh, for the benefit of our audience, give us a bit of your background, sir? Yeah, so I'm a physician and full-time <clears throat> and former software engineer. Um, I grew up in California, here in the Bay Area. I went to Stanford University for my undergrad. I got my computer science degree, actually. And I worked as a software engineer for four years uh, before changing my mind, deciding I wanted to be pre-med and um, knocking out those requirements, going to medical school in St. Louis. Uh, I actually did two years of radiology training before changing my mind again and deciding I wanted to do internal medicine. I completed my internal medicine residency here in California at UC Davis. I've been working uh, full-time as a physician for the past five years now and trying to bootstrap uh, this company called Grep Med on the side. 
Nice. And it's a cool background for two reasons, I think. Um, well, far more reasons than that, I imagine. But there are two things that I want to pull out. The first one is doing computer science, being a software engineer for four years, and then becoming a physician. As I always say on this podcast, I think the most impactful people that can do medicine are people that have done things like computer science and data science prior to coming into medicine and practicing as a physician, just because of the lens that they can view the problems that they're looking at. And I think for, for people like me who went into medicine straight from, uh, straight from school to medical school, straight from medical school into, into being a clinician, I'd see problems, you know, fixing printers and doing the things that I could, but ultimately I couldn't actually solve any bigger problems because I could, I could never really, I suppose, visualize how that would even be done. I could hypothesize perhaps, but I didn't have any kind of engineering background or computer science background or anything like that to actually build something. And so I want to just ask you about starting as a physician with that background and the problems that you were seeing and how was that for you when you first started doing that stuff? Yeah, you know, I think it does give you a lot of insight to, to look at problems and see how they can be attacked. Um, I think these days with a lot of these no-code solutions and other tools coming out there, I think it's um, a lot more opportunity for physicians and people in the healthcare space who see a problem um, to really be able to put together an MVP or something um, to really visualize how you might be able to attack some of those problems. Um, but I think going into medicine for sure, I think I saw a lot of frustrations that I had and I, a lot of issues with the electronic medical record and um, really thought um, it just kind of stared me in the face. Why do we do things like that? <clears throat> now, the issue uh, when you're a full-time practicing physician is uh, where do you find the time to actually sit down and code these solutions? And that becomes <laughs> a, a whole other issue, especially if you want to deliver production level code, which is um, uh, pretty difficult and, you know, it's, having to deal with these huge bureaucracies, which I think is the biggest problem, in, at least in the healthcare space in, in the United States. Yeah, definitely. The, the second thing that I want to pull out from your background is I've written down changing your mind. And I think you're, you're obviously somebody who worked for four years in, as, as a software engineer and then did medicine. You're somebody who was you know, partway through radiology training before then retraining into internal medicine. You're somebody who clearly learns new information and is not afraid to change their mind. What, what, why do you think that is? And, and the reason I ask is because I think so many people perhaps want to change careers, be that to get into or indeed out of medicine and don't end up following through with it you know especially going from something like computer science to medicine and then also internally within medicine you know doing a couple of years of radiology training before then going around to internal medicine you know it's 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 something that you don't hear a great deal of yes it happens but it seems that people perhaps when they get that new bit of self-awareness or they they, they have that conviction i mean what was it like for you and what why do you think you are somebody who's been able to sort of make these sort of big changes and uh, and change your mind and change your careers yeah, I think it gives me <clears throat> a very interesting background that separates me from a lot of my peers. Um, but, you know, it might be a case of just, I think all of us always wonder, you know, what's on the other side? The grass is yeah. always greener. <laughs> so as a software engineer, you know, you know, I think back, I had a pretty great life. I got to stroll into work at 11 o'clock if I wanted to in shorts and I uh, had all of my weekends off. And, but I, I really found myself thinking that I, I just, I remember thinking, I really want to work hard and I really want to do something and, and change people's lives. And I really wanted more just purpose. 
And yeah. so um, definitely you go into medicine, you get purposed kind of shoved down your throat and um, you know, you have different autonomy in different ways. Um, but um, I think the longer I've been in medicine, the more I think I, I look back and um, I see my old software days and I, I find myself, I do have that purpose. I'm you know, impacting people in a great way individually, but I'm um, finding myself wanted to build something that really scales and can affect lots of people. And I think part of the interesting thing for me is that uh, I found that, you know, talking to medical students and residents and educating trainees, I found that on a personal level, probably more fulfilling than, than some of the more superficial conversations that we have with our patients. And so finding ways to help educate others, um, just because that um, amplifies and down the road and to, to many more patients and doing things at scale is what I found myself wanting more and more of. And I think the farther I went along, the more I realized it's like, hey, I wanna utilize this background that I had in computer science as well. Yeah, I like that. And I completely agree with you about educating and, and teaching others. I similarly, you know, found such a, I found such a purpose in that. I, I even, I, I found myself having more energy to teach others about something than I did to actually do the thing myself. Like I'd much, I'd much rather be spending longer and, and, you know, expending more effort teaching somebody to take blood than I would be to like go around taking blood. If you know what I mean, it's, it's a strange one yeah, where absolutely. I was getting, getting my fuel from. Um, as a medic which you know i think there's a lot of correlation between people that do that and people that end up you know being entrepreneurs or or, or founding something or, or doing something different just because it seems that um it does seem to me that the, t the two are very much linked in terms of making that impact and and you also similarly sound like somebody who is certainly impact driven so tell me then about about GrepMed because obviously it's um, it's very different to a lot of the startups that we have on on the Health Tech podcast and and I was keen to get you on for this reason actually that you know a lot of people that come on here have raised 20 30 50 million they're on series B they've got these grand ambitions to change everything in the entire world and I think that in part does a bit of a disservice to everybody out there who's doing projects in health tech or indeed small companies in health tech or even indeed you know creating a, a business that will sustain them and that's okay you know and i'm i was keen to get you on to kind of push that message as well because what you're doing is not venture backed it's something that you're growing organically it's providing value and a service for others and so i'm super keen for you to tell uh, the audience about it my friend Oh my gosh, thank you. Yeah, I've been listening to your podcast. You've had such amazing companies on board. It's given me a little bit of an imposter syndrome, I think, just listening to um, <laughs> the impact that, um, you know, I feel like sometimes I tell people, yeah, I'm just trying to build a picture application. So, um, but uh, so many of your companies, uh, they do so many great things. And, um, but uh, GrepMed, yeah, we're uh, an image based medical reference platform. You could sort of think of us as trying to unbundle Instagram or Pinterest in a way that's useful for clinicians. So we try to make it easier for doctors and healthcare providers to find, search, and bookmark things like algorithms, checklists, decision aids, uh, guidelines, and also clinical images like x-rays, EKGs, uh, point-of-care ultrasound clip library, and physical exam clips. And so I think it was born out of my frustration with just the current medical reference tools we have. I'm not sure what's big out in the UK, but we have something called up-to-date. Um, but you know, mm -hmm. when you have 20 patients to see uh, throughout the day and you stop and sit down to try to look something up and you pull something up on one of these resources, you get hit in the face with just 30, 40 pages of just walls and walls of text. And so you know, our EMRs are so bloated with text, there's so much note bloat. And I'm just 
found myself being so tired of reading through everything all day long. And so we really wanted to build a way to shortcut the information process. And so I found myself personally, and a lot of my colleagues always going to Google images to shortcut the information process and find, you know, just really high yield algorithms or checklists or differential lists to find what you really want um, when you're busy at the bedside and trying to make decisions on the go. And so that was sort of how I, I looked at it. I was thinking about a lot of problems that, um, you know, as I was going through training and uh, this really hit this sort of a Goldilocks zone for me. I knew that I had to continue being a full-time software engineer. I mean, sorry, a full-time clinician. A lot of that was because of the loan burden that we have here in the United States. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to do something on the side. And um, this was sort of that Goldilocks zone of, of you know, not having to deal with um, B2B and not having to negotiate huge contracts, but also being able to build something that can scale with time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've, I've got, I've got it up now, just having a, having a quick look through and I, I remember looking through it before. It's, it's just, it's just incredibly simple and straightforward in the sense that I can imagine being bedside and just wanting to look up, you know, intubation checklists as an anesthetist and, and seeing what's out there in terms of what everybody's doing and how to do it properly. I mean, I can imagine looking up anesthetic drugs and doses, particularly, particularly things like pediatrics and the things that you always forget and just being able to sort of go to it. Cause I'm a very visual learner too. And I've done a degree in education as well. So I can appreciate how different people learn things. And I think for people like me who are so visual with the way that they learn and absorb information, but particularly for people that want that information quickly and just want it in a way that's really digestible. It seems like a really kind of, I was going to say halfway house. It's not halfway house at all, really. It's like a, it, it's almost like a new paradigm of, of how to absorb information just by getting this in extremely quickly and just having it as pure images. Because for me, I, I agree. It, it sort of feels like Google images, but at the end of the day, it's, completely the right information of what exactly what you need to know which is obviously the differentiator here and i think for me like for me personally then this is the reason i, I got you on because i looked at the anesthetic stuff on there for me it would have it would have solved an absolute problem that i had like every single day of like either whether where it was when i was training for doses for things or you know, if I'm speaking to the medics and I just want to learn, you know, quickly go through like a heart failure pathway, whatever it is, right. Of, of, of just getting that information. It's something that I definitely would have used. Um, so who, so who I guess is the target for this? Are you, are you thinking more, it's like people that are learning in that kind of early phase or is it keeping up with recent guidelines or kind of how do, how do you view this for clinicians? Yeah, I think it's actually, if you look at who our users are, it's everyone in the healthcare space that just wants information really quickly. Yeah. So we've got users, I think I would say our, our target target audience would probably be um, our the emergency medicine physician, who's sort of the jack of all trades and master of none. Yeah, um, I have so much respect for them, but they really have to know so much about everything. It's such incredible breadth. And so a lot of the time they have great resources like WIC-EM and other resources, but um, sometimes they just want to find information quickly. Um, and so we provide a good resource for them. But um, we've got attending physicians, residency um, trainees, a lot of medical students, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, pharmacists, and we've actually got a pretty big following of uh, paramedics. And so really anybody that wants to use these tools, I think um, anybody could use checklists, for example, for intubation, um, paramedics from down to the anesthetist, um, different styles, of course, but um, you, know, you know, different people can upload their own checklist as well. And so it's really for anybody who wants to access information quickly. 
Yeah. I'm just looking now at the the radiology that you've got on here. Like I've just gone to like echoes and just looked up some of the echocardiograms and it's just, there's just a phenomenal amount of, of actual imagery here. That's just bang on what you'd need. I think from a medical education point of view, you must get so many people that are trying to learn from this as well. Um, what's the kind of, what are you thinking with it in, t- in, in terms of the future? Are you thinking this is going to be more of an education resource or, do you want do you want that audience or are you more focused on the people on the ground floor as you say the, you know the, the emergency physicians that that are trying to get information quickly to actually use on patients yeah i think we're we're focused on anybody in the healthcare uh, space that um, who's taking care of patients that wants to find information so um we do have a small problem right now which is um trying to figure out you know how to fill the database and so we have a lot of content, but then um, we don't have the depth of some of these uh, more professional resources or the more well-funded resources. Um, but we're hoping to plug those holes in as we get um, more people contributing to our platform. And so, you know, oh, part of uh, reaching out to you and other people is to try to see if, you know, other people in the educational space, if they want a place to just share their content. I think we've all been to conferences where we take pictures of great tables or really high yield diagrams and, you know, that gets buried underneath your vacation pictures and <laughs> so find true. It again. So you know, if you you want a way to reach hundreds of thousands of people, um, a lot of our images have been seen up to a million times, a few million times. A lot of them are really boring things like checklists and pharmacology conversion tables. Um, but we really expose people to the greater audience on, on Google. So most people find us through Google image search. Um, and so if you search for things like hyponatremia algorithm. Um, intubation checklist you'll see we're at the top result for a lot of um, research results yeah because you've named the images so well quite frankly because it's it's as you you know an interscaling nerve block that's exactly how i would search for it so so no wonder it comes up Um, that's really cool so so you're looking at that kind of contributor model like the community contributor model for for getting users and uh, and building your audience right yeah, absolutely. I think we, we try to say we're trying to democratize the medical reference space. And so there's actually a, a big free open access medical education movement online. So people sharing, you know, teaching through podcasts and blogs, but a lot of it happens on Twitter, actually, where people share these really great diagrams they make for their conferences and reports. And they're pretty amazing. But if you don't have 20,000 followers, you know, it might get seen by, you know, a thousand impressions or 500 impressions, depending on who retweets it. And even if you do have 20,000 followers, it it quickly disappears into the ether of the internet and nobody sees it again, which I found Mm. was just such a waste. And so we really provide a way for people to cross or share that, um, that, that work onto our platform, those images in a way that remains evergreen um, mm. and exposed to the greater audience that's on Google. Yeah, it's almost like, and, and forgive me if this analogy doesn't work for you, but it works for me. It's almost like that you you are taking all of the messy data that's out there in terms of all of the images and all of everything and the way it's labeled and named and you're kind of cleaning it. And what I'm presented with here as I look at your website is, is almost the clean version of all the medical data that's out there. And by searching it just on your platform, I actually just get the clean data rather than having to search through it on, on, on Google Images and that side of things, which makes a lot of sense for me. And also, as you say, it's open access. It's completely free to me for me to come on here and do this stuff, which is great. Um, and I suppose, as you, as you rightly point out, you know, building an audience is, 
important for that because it helps you scale your impact as well. And I've noticed that you guys are quite big on social media. Has that been, has that been like an intentional push to do that stuff? Yeah, that's actually definitely what we set out to do was to build a social media audience. Um, one of it was part of it was to bootstrap our platform. And so, you know, when you create something, you think that everybody's going to flock towards you and start <laughs> using your platform because you have the greatest thing in the world. But um, I think you, you realize firsthand how hard it is to get people off of places like Instagram and Facebook um, <laughs> and Twitter where they spend 99% of their time and to just notice you. Um, and so we started posting on Twitter and Instagram and it, it was, you know, definitely takes a long time to build your audience, but it, you have to actually put in deliberate work to really try to outreach to people, to find the medical educators. And I, I remember just, you know, once you have that first big medical influencer, like one of my posts and we shot up to like 300 impressions. I was so excited. And now oh, wow. we give, uh, you know, 23,000 followers on Instagram. And so it's a, it's a different ballgame altogether. But, um, you know, our goal on social media was to highlight some of the best content on our platform yeah. so that, um, you know, people think back, oh, where did I see that great algorithm for adrenal insufficiency? And they think back to our website and they come find us. Nice. Um, so starting off, that was super helpful. And it's still fun from an ego perspective to see all these followers and all these likes and retweets. But um, most of our traffic now comes organically through uh, web search engines nice we've developed uh, more domain authority with google and other search engines cool and what's your plan with this in terms of you know from a i guess you might call it from a business perspective or indeed from a sustainability perspective or you know how, I'm, I'm sure you guys must make money off this somehow in terms of being able to keep it running because uh, obviously you want to it sounds like you want to keep it free for users um and so how are you guys going to make this sustainable i guess yeah, that's a, a big part of our mission is to make sure that this remains free. Um, you know, I think we're very proud of the fact that we're used in 180, 90 countries every month. Wow. And, um, you know, some of these medical reference resources, they cost $500,000 per year, which yep. people in these developing countries definitely can't afford that. Yep. So for me, the, the biggest thing um, was just trying to make an impact and build something that um, so many, a lot of people use. And it's been very gratifying to know that this is being used so often around the world. Um, so we actually lose money a few hundred dollars every month. Um, but uh, this is such a big hobby of mine uh, that it's not, you know, for me to work an extra shift uh, to pay for some of our bandwidth costs is not a big deal for me considering how much time that I, I pour and blood, sweat and tears into this. Yeah. Project. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Right. Because when you, when you quantify it like that for like, you know, you putting in that extra shift to pick up some extra cash, which pays for it, but it then delivers the impact that you're looking to make. And particularly when I suppose you look at that cost in inverted commas, that it's, that it's costing you both in time. And I suppose financially at the moment, you can actually plot, I suppose, the growth of this platform against that. And there is a point at which you break even. I'm interested if, um, you know, would you take investment for something like this if you thought that, you know, there was a plan behind it to, to increase revenues in any different ways? Have you thought, have you considered that? Or is it something that you do definitely want to grow organically? Yeah, this is, I think from the start, um, this is something that I thought would be more of an indie hacker style grassroots mm. uh, company. And so, um, although we would definitely talk to anybody <laughs> um, who wanted to invest in us, I think probably if anybody wants to donate to us to sponsor us, that would be amazing. 
Um, but um, I'm really not sure that um, as a company that this would ever deliver venture scale returns. And so, you know, part of the thing was that I think if, if someone invested in us, they would expect us to work on this full time. Yeah. And this is something that we're really trying to grow um, much more organically, like you said. Um, that being said, you know, we do want this to to not be a money sink and we do eventually want this to pay for itself. <laughs> yeah. So. We do know that um, our audience, the eyeballs that we have on our audience are very valuable. So physicians, pharmacists, exactly right. um, very well educated people. And so, you know, we've experimented to run on a couple of Amazon ads on there and we're playing with Google Images, uh, Google AdSense as well. Um, but we know that the, the audience is very targeted uh, towards healthcare professionals, which mm. um, I think down the road as we continue to build our scale, um, we'll find ways to monetize. You absolutely will. And where there is attention, where there are eyeballs, there are always ways to monetize that stuff. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really nice to hear that you've got that kind of, call it maturity or, or call it wisdom or knowledge or common sense, whatever you want to call it, that that ultimately you're not looking, or self-awareness even, that you're not looking to build a venture backable company. I almost want to, you know, really highlight that as like, that's a really good thing that you know that and that's okay because you are having so much impact you know the banner at the top of your website you know reaching an audience of a million weekly you know, by putting by putting images on here that help people i mean that must be an incredible feeling to be able to do that and but you also know okay yeah if i take investment from a vc they're going to want a billion dollar return i mean what are the chances of of doing that or indeed what does the life for me look like if i've had to if i have to go and do that am i going to have to put this behind a paywall am i going to have to completely you know reduce this to something that is the complete antithesis of what i actually wanted to achieve with this which is the impact for everybody for free forever you know it's it's super difficult to walk that line if if you're like oh but i really want to take investment because i really want to make this you know sustainable very quickly and i want to do this so it's really good that you that you you are looking at this through a lens of i want to make the impact i'm happy doing what i'm doing doing this right now and I think that's just a really important lesson for everybody listening. You don't have to have an idea that's backed by investors. You don't have to have an idea that is a billion dollar company. And I know that we're, you know, potentially guilty of that on this podcast of getting in lots of people that have done that. You know, frankly, it's the health tech podcast and a lot of tech interventions need VC money. But at the same time, there are things going on like what you're doing that I think and I believe should be incredibly inspirational for people to do projects in the first instance you don't even need necessarily to think of things as like needing to be profitable needing to make money it can just be things that solve a problem and lo and behold if you do solve a problem things become more efficient things become better you know there is a world here there is a where you know departments could end up sponsoring you to have certain content certain specific content certain local content for example i mean there are loads of different ways that this could end up being monetized and, and helping people but i think you've done it absolutely wonderfully so far getting so many eyeballs on this stuff having so many images that are so valuable to people um and just a really good focused concentrated resource of things that people can get loads of value from and i think yeah I, I think it's awesome what what you've what you've done so far Oh, thank you. Um, I, I think, um, I, I guess you could call it self-awareness. I think I've had just had a lot of restraints 
<clears throat> or constraints on what I could build. And so I, I knew it had to be something that I, I could do part time because you know, I've got so many loans to pay off, unfortunately, from my medical education training. Indeed. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, hold off on making those payments if you do go full time into a software venture back startup where you're making almost mm. nothing uh, off the bat. And um, so it, this was something that I think was sort of born out of a problem that I had and just um, some of the constraints that I had as well, trying to make sure that I stay on as a, a practicing full-time clinician. Yeah, I like it, man. And as I say, I, I do want this to, to be inspiration for people that are either just starting out in entrepreneurship or they're, you know, clinical a clinician in medicine and, uh, and looking to get something done. As I say, you don't need to have the billion dollar idea. You can just figure out a problem. You can, you can highlight a problem that you have that other people have in your department, on your ward, in your GP practice. You can go about solving that problem. Um, it's fortunate for yourself that obviously being a computer en- uh, a computer scientist and a software engineer that you have been able to, to code something yourself. I and mean, that's obviously, the, again, another reason that I believe that people should definitely educate themselves on things outside of, of purely medicine in order to, to make them impact and to view problems in a different way and being able to highlight where they can, where they can build things. But I think, um, I, I think for everybody listening that, that is looking to, to make an impact greater than what they're doing. I think literally just as you've done looking at a problem in what they're doing and, and thinking about what the solution is going about trying to build it, I think is, is more than honorable. It certainly doesn't need venture backed money every time. And, uh, or if indeed at all, it doesn't, um, as long as it makes you happy and you've got that self-awareness that it is, I think, uh, I, and, and you know what, there will be people around the world that have used this and treated a patient better, or they've, you know, reduced their own anxiety about how they're treating something because they've read something and they feel better about the way they did something, or they've actually been able to identify something new and then identify the same thing in a patient. You know, there's, there's definite ways that this has been used around the world to make impact. Not that you're party to a lot of those wins, but it must be comforting to know that uh, that stuff must be happening surely with all, with all these things going on. Right. Yeah. You know, I think physicians and everyone in healthcare, um, I think there's so much burnout and I don't think we're fixing burnout, but I think um, so much of the exhaustion in healthcare is just death by a thousand paper cuts. And so mm. if we can save people five seconds here, you know, even if it's just once a day, um, if people use our website, uh, 10 seconds there, you know, I really feel like that um, we're really helping uh, clinicians around the world. And so that's, that's probably been the most uh, gratifying portion for me. I could not agree more. And as I say, congratulations for everything that you've done so far with this and the beginning of, of, I suppose, your entrepreneurial journey with it. I honestly wish you every success with this. And I hope that everybody listening that is a clinician that is looking for you know, best in class images and, and algorithms and pathways and, and all those types of things, no matter what specialty you're in, I can tell you now, I'm looking at the list. They are all here from ocular to cardiology to specific things like Doppler, uh, ultras, uh, different ultrasounds, all parts of the body are on here. You know, every, literally anything that you can think of in medicine, you can search by and you can, uh, you can browse through. But um, yeah, I, as I say, Gerald, I wish you, I wish you every success with it. And uh, yeah, do, do keep in touch when you, when you get that offer for 30 million quid to uh, put us behind a paywall. <laughs> and when you say yeah. no. <laughs> no, thank you so much for the opportunity to highlight our project. Um, I've been really inspired by all the guests on your podcast. Very kind, very kind, sir. And uh, I suppose the, if you, if you have got any asks of our audience, then uh, by all means, take it away. 
Uh, I think um, if anybody has any interesting ideas, uh, you know, I think it uh, sounds like your audience is pretty entrepreneurial already, but, um, you know, feel free to reach out, check us out at grepmed.com. Um, find us on social media, Instagram, grepmed or Twitter, grepmeded. Um, but uh, yeah, please reach out if you'd like to connect. Amazing. Thanks so much, Gerald. All right. Thank you, James. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.